Well, good morning. Actually, Jeff, uh, we were here longer than two years. Um, <clears throat> we were here four and a half. Uh, two years as uh, Art Gay's associate, uh, which I really appreciated. You know, probably I was so young, just graduated from seminary. I could have been an assistant, but he called me his associate, which really made a, um, a difference to me. And then Art left, Art and Joanne left, went out to Chicago, and, and um, you somehow um, agreed upon me as your new senior pastor. Of course, I was the only one. Uh, but uh, so we stayed for two and a half more years, and then we went from here to West Point, a military academy where I was a chaplain for five years, <clears throat> and then to Northampton, Massachusetts, where I was a pastor for 25 years, and then out in Chicago, uh, where we were in a church for nine and a half years, and then finished up at f- five more years at Wheaton College as a chaplain. So um, retired just, uh, I guess, a year ago, July, and we moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where we've been uh, ever since. Uh, we're around the bulk of our grandchildren. Uh, we have <clears throat> 11 and uh, 11 point 11 twelfths uh, grandchildren right now, so, which is really fun to, to be around them. Um, well, I'm glad I got through last night, I'll tell you. I was thinking that Chinese rocket was going to land right on our motel. <laughs> and stayed awake all night waiting for it and found out that it landed in the Indian Ocean. What a... It's too bad. Um, <clears throat> so we, we have the opportunity of, of coming back here. I think it was, it's over a year ago that we were here and uh, God willing to be able to come back a little bit more often, maybe every uh, couple of weeks, and, um, and be able to kind of share God's word with you. Um, and as, as Gloria was, was sharing, this place was our, sort of our starter. We, we just kind of went from here uh, into ministry. And, and I remember um, that I preached a sermon here uh, about 47 years ago, um, in, in this very church, in not, not this sanctuary, but the, 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 the one out front, which was our auditorium at that particular time. And um, the title of my message was The Silence of God. Now, I'm not exactly sure why I preached that. Um, perhaps our congregation was going through a difficult Time and, and it was an appropriate message. But, um, but so I had about three years' experience under my belt as a pastor, and I came to the conclusion that the silence of God was never due to indifference on the part of God, but was due to what I would call uh, higher thoughts, greater thoughts. Thoughts beyond our comprehension. And my, my text for my message at that point was Isaiah 55. <clears throat> for as the heavens is higher, heaven is higher than the earth, so are my thoughts than your thoughts and my ways 
than your ways, says the Lord. Now, that wasn't a bad conclusion for a young greenhorn pastor who had about three years of pastoral experience and not many more years of life experience under his belt. Well, today, after 50 years, it'll be 50 years next month, of pastoral ministry and life experience, I have to admit that I am still and will always be a greenhorn at trying to figure out God's ways. And that I can never be conclusive. But I do believe and still believe that God's silence is due to one of higher thoughts, thoughts that are beyond ours. But I would say it differently now. I would say, and this is the title of my message, that God is never silent. God is never silent. For example, we we could cite Psalm 19, first few verses, where it says the heavens are declaring the glory of God and the sky above is proclaiming his handiwork. Day after day pours out speech. Night after night reveals knowledge. Their voice goes throughout all the earth, their words to the end of the world. That God is constantly speaking in creation. Loud enough, by the way, to hold us accountable for believing if we don't believe that he exists. He is speaking so loudly in creation that he holds us accountable even if we do not believe that he exists. In Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says that what can be known about God is plain because God has revealed it. His invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have all been clearly perceived in what has been made. Then we could go to Hebrews chapter 1 about how God has spoken in the past through the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. In other words, God is always, he is constantly speaking to us through Jesus. God is never silent. Because Jesus has come into the world and God continues to speak through him. He is the word of God. Well, some of you might say, well, listen, Dave. There are a few passages of scripture where in the gospels where even Jesus himself is silent. So what do you do with those? Well, you're right. He was silent when the Canaanite woman came to him and asked him to heal her daughter. Have mercy upon me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon, Matthew 15. But he did not answer her at all because she was a Gentile and he was first sent to Israel. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. So yes, Jesus was silent before this woman. 
He was also silent before Caiaphas in the Sanhedrin uh, in that kangaroo court, if you remember, just prior to the crucifixion in order to find some accusation of blasphemy against Jesus. Likewise, he was silent before Herod, who saw him as a bit of a curiosity. However, and you knew this however was coming, I would submit to you that in each one of these situations where Jesus was silent, he was actually shouting in his silence. He was saying something very dramatic in his silence. To Herod, for example, whose only interest was to see him walk across his swimming pool. Oh, by the way, did you know Herod had a swimming pool? Well, if you uh, remember the rock opera, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, um, there's a a line uh, called Herod's Song, which says, So if you are the Christ, the great Jesus Christ, prove to me that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. And that really actually summarizes Luke 23, verse 8, which says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. He hoped to see him perform a sign or some miracle. But Jesus was silent before this Herod. But before Herod, this this impetuous, this, this evil curious Herod, Jesus, in his silence, was shouting, I will not be trivialized. Silence is a judgment, even today, against those people who do not take Jesus Christ seriously, who view him as a curiosity, or maybe just as a, as a subject of study. And do not bow their knee to him. Jesus will not be trivialized. And maybe that's why he is silent to a lot of people today. His silence before the Sanhedrin was really a shout against their hypocrisy and their self-interest in preserving their own place and nation. Just as he would shout out today against the atrocities that have been perpetrated in the name of Jesus throughout the history of the church, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, the persecution of the Jews, the vindication of slavery by using the Bible, and the slave Bible. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the slave Bible, but it was actually put together in 1807. If you visited the um, Museum of the Bible uh, in Washington, D.C., there's, there's a whole display. But it was this horrible abomination of God's word 
written for use by missionaries in the British West Indies to educate slaves. 90% of the Old Testament is missing. 50% of the New Testament is missing. Taken out of these portions are every passage having to do with redemption, with freedom, with um, release from slavery. That's how much the Bible talks about freedom and God's redemption and salvation. These were expunged from the Old and New Testament. While all the passages encouraging obedience and submission, they were emphasized. Well, finally, in his silence before the Canaanite woman who came to him greatly burdened down because of having a daughter in the grip of Satan. He was shouting out, trust me. His silence was drawing out of her faith. He was shouting in his silence, trust me. She knew who he was. She knew she had no right to his grace. But she had heard about his compassion and his mercy, and she kept coming. And finally, he said to her, Woman, great is your faith. He never said that to any of his disciples or to any Jew. Woman, great is your faith. Because unlike Herod, Unlike the Sanhedrin, she trusted in him even though he was silent. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, we find a parallel between the silence that this woman confronted and the silence, the great silence with a capital S, in all of Scripture, and that was the silence of the cross. When Jesus was crucified, when even he himself said, My God, why have you forsaken me? When the disciples ran away, when the women were in despair, and this great silence hung over the believing world for three days. Can you imagine that? Hopes were dashed. Where do we turn? There is nothing more. The one in whom we have pinned our future is now dead. Where do we go? Three days. Silence. And yet, the third day, the resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ interpreted the silence for all who believed. And it became very apparent that in the midst of the silence, God was doing the greatest work he had ever done in human history. In the midst of the silence, God was doing the greatest work that he had ever done in human history, the salvation of the world. In the midst of the silence, God was shouting, 
Fear not, little flock. For I have overcome the world. The German theologian Helmut Tielicke wrote a book called The Silence of God at the height of uh, the darkness of World War II. In it were some of the sermons that he preached um, during that particular time. And in it he said this, Even when we thought he did not care or was dead, he knew all about us. And behind the dark wings, he did his work of love. We live in the power of this Golgotha night of silence. Where would we be without the cross? Therefore, like the disciples at the crucifixion, like the Canaanite woman appealing in the midst of silence to Jesus, some of you, perhaps many of you, are facing these life-dominating issues which seem to render God's voice silent to you. I think we've all experienced that. Let us hold on to the theology of the cross, that God is not silent. He is never silent. He is always speaking. He is always working. He is always purifying our faith and fulfilling his higher purposes and accomplishing his plans beyond what we could ever imagine. He is at work even in the midst of his silence in your life. Now, many of you know that, <clears throat> that I've been struggling uh, with, with pancreatic cancer for the last four years. And um, <clears throat> I've gone through all the chemo and all the radiation and all the, the horrible treatments that have been traditionally used for this type of cancer. And I've used up all my options. I uh, was in a clinical trial at the National Institutes for Health in Bethesda, Maryland for a, a couple of months, and I basically was booted out of it, um, very kindly booted out. But nonetheless, the trial infusions were not working, and protocol indicated that it no longer, I should no longer be in the trial. So... I am left at this particular point in my life with, um, with the knowledge that there's no human treatment available for what I have. That I am in, in, in a real sense, I am in a Golgotha night of silence. And um, I'm kind of left uh, seeking and, and hoping and my hope has not slipped away, but like the Apostle Paul describes himself in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, that he's perplexed even though he's not in despair. Gloria and I drove two weeks ago out to Chicago to be with my older sister who was just placed in hospice. 
and she may be with Jesus by the time I finish this message. She is also in this Golgotha night of silence. She doesn't have a voice anymore, or she does, but she sleeps all the time, and she can't really speak for herself, so I'm speaking for her. That, that the reason why we are not in despair is because we believe that Christ's resurrection has interpreted this Golgotha night of silence for us. That God is at work in us, even though we can't see it. That he still loves us, even though we can't feel it. That he is the mighty one who saves and is still singing over us, as it says in Zephaniah 3, even though the tone is muted in our ears right now. But he has really given to us, both of us, my sister and me, he has given us the hope of life and promised resurrection of our mortal bodies from the grave when our Lord Jesus returns. That is, that is the bottom line of where I'm at right now. Bottom line. Until that time, and I use the, the message uh, version of the Bible here, in Romans 8, 38, 39, it says, Until that time, I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love for us because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So you have a bottom line, hope of resurrection. You, you, you have this ambiguous situation that you're in, not sure what's going to happen, all that sort of stuff. But somehow on both sides, everything is contained by the fact that nothing will separate us from love of God. And that's the place to be. So, my friends, my dear friends, whether you are suffering this kind of silence, whatever it is, whatever the darkness in your life that you're facing, if you are or you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not some fake or some curious bystander, he is shouting for you in the midst of your silence to trust him, to place your trust in him as your Lord and Savior, as your Redeemer, as a lover of your soul, because he does love you. And he has done the greatest work ever done when he suffered on the cross for you and for your sins. So don't stay in the darkness of your own self-pity. That's a terrible place to be. Don't stay defined by your past or by the actions of other people in your lives. Don't let that control you. 
Stop running away from the God who is never silent, who is speaking to you and saying, come unto me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come in, wear my yoke, and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for your souls. Come, come to Jesus. He is shouting in the midst of the silence of your life that he loves you and cares for you and will never let you go. Let's pray. Father, I I recognize that even striving to articulate the the amazing gospel of your love and your mercy and grace in Jesus Christ uh, can't even do it justice. No, no word can properly explain it. It has to be revealed by the Holy Spirit in someone's heart. And perhaps you're working in someone's heart even now. And I pray that you will draw that individual to Christ. Even, even in the midst of what they're facing, that Jesus would be the one who would not only be the solution to the problem, even though maybe the problem still will remain, but that Christ will be the hope of their lives, both now and through eternity. Do your work, Holy Spirit of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dave, that was an amazing message and a tremendous reminder. You know, it's, uh, it's easy to have faith when we're standing on the mountaintops. Not so easy when we find ourselves in the valleys of life. And uh, one incredible reminder to each and every one of us, when we find ourselves in those valleys, God's still speaking. God is still there, and our faith and our trust can grow, and it must grow in those valleys of our lives. And so thank you for that incredible reminder. really appreciate that. Things I want to uh, remind us of once again, uh, Mike Hannay and his wife Gail will be next door in Fellowship Hall in just a few minutes uh, if you'd like to go and, and meet with them. Uh, we do need a little bit of help just uh, picking up the chairs this morning, so if you can help stack them in, uh, in uh, stacks of eight, that would be really appreciated. And one other thing I want to kind of remind us of and, and to think about and to take note of you know, today is Mother's Day, and we are, are grateful, certainly, for mothers, and this should be a, a joyous day. And yet, there is an absolute recognition and understanding that today may be very difficult for some. Maybe you've lost your mother this past year, or there's strife or difficulties and struggles in relationship. Perhaps uh, you're a mom-to-be, and that's been a struggle as well. And please know that in this day, in these times when God seems silent to you as, as a mother, as a daughter, as a son, 
who's lost their mom as a mom-to-be, that God is speaking. God's love is more present than ever for all of us on this day. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you and praise you once again that we can come before you. That God, you are a God who is speaking even when we cannot hear you. I thank you for Dave and Glory. I thank you for their love for you, Lord, their love for this body. The incredible message of encouragement to, to each one of us. And Father, as, as a church, we join our hearts together. We lift up our brother Dave to you. Father, we know, and, and Dave shared, that, that he is at the end of human knowledge and ability. And so, Father, we just ask that you would just surround him, Lord. If it is your will, Lord, then just touch him with your hand and heal him. Lord, we know that you can do so with just a whisper. And, Father, our hearts, that is, you know that that's the cry of our hearts. That's the desire that we have And, Father, if that aligns with what your heart is, then, Father, let that be so. And, Lord, we will find ourselves together joining with Dave and Gloria and their family and standing upon that mountaintop and proclaiming your name. And, Father, if that is not to be so, then, Lord, we will stand with Dave and Gloria and their family and we will proclaim your goodness from the depths of the valley. For, Lord, in all of it, you are still God. You are still loving. You are still kind. You are still gracious, and you are still merciful. And so, Lord, let our faith increase. Let our trust in you increase this very day because you are worthy of our trust and our faith. And we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome, awesome week, guys. God bless you.